Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Bit Effect. Today, we are celebrating being alive for six months in 2022. It is 2022, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's still 2022. All right. Uh, with me to join this celebration of life, luxury, and lucidity are my good friends Luke. Hello. And Craig. Elden Ring. That's all he's been able to say for the past three months. <laughs> Podcasts are really hard to record. Um, Alright, so if this is your first gothy, uh, terrible name, but it works, uh, what we do is we each pick three games that we've played so far this year that we want to bring to the table as maybe our potential candidates for Game of the Year so far. Um, and we just talk about them. So it's kind of a laid-back episode, no real structure or anything. Until, you know, we hit the end of the year, and that's when we will all discuss Elden Ring for hours on end. And <laughs> mm -hmm. a whole bunch of other categories. So, uh, that is, is the... The Game of the Year episode is going to have to be an Elden Ring episode, plus Game of the Year as, like, bonus features or something. Either that, or we're going to have to have our special category, like the Spider-Man Fun to Get Around Award. Uh, uh, no, yeah. Um, so that is our one rule we have this time is we're going to keep Elden Ring talk to a minimum because not only are you hearing about it from everywhere else and we want to be fashionably late to that conversation, it would just kind of dominate the conversation. Mm -hmm. So, um, gentlemen, so far, how has your year looked in terms of games? It's been good. I've... I've had a great year. It started off slow, and it's ending slow because the whole house moved, but it's been an action-packed year of pretty good games so far, like Elden Ring being one of them, and some of the other games that I will mention being others. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's quite all right. I'm trying my best not to say Elden Ring, and it's just it just keeps yeah. on coming out. I think there's... Well, Elden Ring was like, what? Maybe <laughs> one or two, maybe three months of my yeah, gaming time, so... <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear God. Uh, okay. Um, my, my year has been all right. Should we, just should we just talk about Elden Ring? No! And then the We're others could be honorable mentions. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had a bit of a, 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 a kerfuffle in the beginning of this year, so I didn't get to play a lot of games so far this year. But um, I found myself going back to more comfort gaming, which is, you know, it's going to be older stuff. Or what a specifically new game that came out that we're not going to discuss. So my year's been a little uh, uneven in terms of playing older stuff to new stuff. What about you guys? Uh, I personally have been doing a lot of like, I I'm kind of on a budget just because we're saving for some stuff. And I've been going through old games or Game Pass or PlayStation Plus games that I've not really played. So it's been a bit of a... I guess like a tapas of <laughs> tapas um it's been a bit of a weird one it, normally i'd be like oh i'm gonna get the most recent or something that catches my eye but i'm trying not to so yeah maybe some odd ones in my list how about you div well I, I started this conversation craig would be up next yes. it's me. okay how about it's you, okay Oh my god. Uh, yeah, so my I've played 25 games this year, and I did do stats on myself. So 25 games, 10 of those have been podcast games, which I have completed. 10 of them are PS5 versions of games, and 5 of them are PS4 games. 
So I have actually been, despite the fact that in my brain I think, no, I've not played a lot of new games this year. I actually have played a lot of PS5 games that were released this year. Um, I don't know why my brain... I think it's because on average I've either got games from this year or it's things like Stranglehold and I Have No Mouth But I'm a Scream. So like I don't have a good average it's the extreme side of things. Oddly enough, Stranglehold makes you feel like you have no mouth and you must <laughs> scream. Um, exactly. Yeah, like, like I've continued, not, not to be a doofus about it, but I've continued to buy any PS5 games that really spark my fancy that I can afford. I just, there's, I, I've got almost a break in case of an emergency thing about PS5 games for some reason. Like, no, now's not the time to play that. Instead, I'll play something on the PS4 or something like that. Um, I take it um, financial notwithstanding, like Luke, um, do you guys, have you fully jumped into, yeah, this is now the start of just my, ne- what is this, Generation 8 or 9? Gaming? Mm, I don't know. 9? Yeah, I want to say 9 okay, as well. I think, yeah, for me, um, yeah, like I kind of started like that and i do dip into P- i mean because of backwards compatibility you do dip in and i think with the impending release or last week's release depending on when this episode comes out of the new ps plus structure i might actually start going further back in time and start playing some curiosities that i never ever played in the past so i might go the opposite way of i've been ps5 heavy and i might start drifting backwards again I think it's easier to do with this generation than previously because before when I got a PS4, I was like, well, all those PS3 games can just go in a fire. You know, like a console in the bin, through a shredder, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm on a PS4 now. Whereas this time round, it is a bit more flexible and I think that's the way it'll probably continue. Now, I think this is the future we're living in. I, I think with the advent of things like, well, Game Pass started it. Like, like with the advent of that, yeah, it's probably going to be the norm from now on. And is is this just your way of saying from here on out you're going super hard on nothing but ape escape? <laughs> <laughs> to jam an arrow. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. I, I think I'm pretty similar. Craig, I'm actually looking forward to the new Plus offering because I, I can go and play all the PlayStation 4 Sony exclusives that I missed. Um, so, yeah, it's... I don't know. The whole Game Pass... Well, Game Pass may be a bad example, but the, the whole like Netflix on demand service thing it, it's kind of taking away the the need for day one exclusives for me i think it's more like mm-hmm. a, a like it's cool that if i've got game pass me and my friends we can all play a game at the same time and it takes away that requirement for everybody having to buy a game at once but you can all be involved in the buzz of a game at once like that maybe wasn't a thing before where People maybe have different budgets and whatnot, but yeah, it's 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 opened up that options, and I think you're probably going to start to see a big shift away from like day one games being bought straight away. Like, I don't know if it's going to work in Sony's favor what they're doing. I think they're probably going to have to, I don't know, start PlayStation Five games at day one like Xbox does, because I can see their sales dropping. To be honest, but it'd be interesting. I I would I wouldn't be surprised. I think they've said they've hinted at this where um big big like flagship PS5 games aren't going to be hitting PlayStation Plus whatever it's called now Elite. No wait, that's Xbox. 
Uh, premium. I don't. I don't know. Uh, PlayStation games. With yeah, gold. the one they have. Yeah, that's right. It, it's going to be. I think, like they said, the new God of War won't be day one as it sits now. So they're still going to have that. If you want the the big boys, you purchase. I don't know. Uh, for me, I'm I'm more interested because this takes another barrier of entry away from yeah older definitely. stuff, right? Yeah. Like the fact that they're uh, adding in quick save and rewind function to a lot of older PS1 games means a lot of the friction you run up against in those games is going to be gone now. Because one of my games, and I might as well let's start this off right away. One of my games this this year is Chrono Cross Remastered. Um, I was super nervous going into it and super excited because if you had asked me two, three months ago, Chrono Cross is probably my favorite PS1 RPG. It, it, it hasn't maintained that status. <laughs> um, but the boosters they added, like the boosters they had in Final Fantasy VIII and VII, um, of the, you know, you, you can turn off random combat. You can just flick a thumbstick and eh, you'll be fine. You'll make it through this boss god mode kind of thing. All of the, the fast forward, the route, the, for some reason, slow motion. It was in the original, but I never understood why you would want to slow down a JRPG. Like, good lord, that that's a nightmare. <laughs> but all that stuff just took away from all of the friction. Because if you've beaten a game before, and you're mm. not like Chrono Cross, and you're not going in for... The battle mechanics, which are still very hit and miss in Chrono Cross, cool, but hit and miss. You're just going in for the story. So I have nothing to prove to anybody. I've beaten this before like six times. I don't care. And this just made it a pleasurable, all right, I finished this again. I'm ready to put it away for good. I've almost got my platinum on it, which any JRPG that has 10 endings should be shot in public. <laughs> <laughs> Because, oh boy, that's rough. Um, but if you've never played Chrono Cross before, just really quick, uh, it, it's super notable for being a terrible sequel to a very good RPG. It's not a terrible game, but it's a really bad sequel to that game. Uh, it, it did a lot of really cool, notable things for a JRPG, um, most of which being there are no random battles. Everybody, everything's on the world map, right? Like, they can just see the enemies. Uh, the other thing is there is no XP, period. You do not have to fight a random enemy for really any reason except for minor stat boosts that you get at the end of a battle. And all of your levels come from just boss battles. And that really impressed me as a teenager. Because like, oh, okay. this is the way JRPGs will be. I don't have to grind. Uh, the spell system is really unique where you slot in spells into like different slots and you can only use them once per battle but the at the end of battle you can just full heal no consumables needed kind of thing it's got some really cool ideas that are pulled off really poorly and the story was uh written by it feels like the story was written by a first year philosophy student and as a teenager that hits like perfect right like oh yeah this is so deep cool uh, now it, it's it's a little laughable, like a cool story that that it does like a Bloodborne twist, right? And not like it goes from werewolves to to spooky aliens, <laughs> but it starts in the the usual JRPG 
sort of swords and sorcery and then ends up being a time travel sci-fi story which mm. it's a pretty cool little twist but um yeah that's that's probably my first big notable game this year was replaying Chrono Cross for what is going to be the last time mm. that sounds cool like, I've never played it. <laughs> I, I, it's super maligned. Like, like it, it's it's kind of getting you know, like everything from when we were kids that when we decided was bad as a kid, like Star Wars prequels, for example. Now you have people going, "No, they're actually really good." Yeah, yeah, they grew up with them. Yeah, totally. Um, Chrono Cross is kind of getting that. Oh, this was severely overlooked, and it's like, ah, maybe. But yeah, it's not my favorite PS One RPG anymore. Uh, but it's still in my top five RPGs I've ever played. So what? All right, uh, Luke, why don't you go next, bud? Yeah, sure. Let me just get my list up. Sorry, two seconds. Uh, so this was a bit of a. It's I don't think it's that great of a game, but it was what I needed at the time. So uh, nobody saves the world is on Xbox um, Game Pass, and it's really cool. Um, I don't know if any of you guys played it. It's on my wish list. Really cool art design. So, unbeknownst to us, uh, me talking about Chrono Cross excited Luke so much that he had to just go off and play it now. We tried to talk him out of it, but he was like, dude, I need sci-fi time travel RPG. And I'm like, we're like, all right, all right, threw our hands up. So he had to scooch out of here because Chrono Cross existed. Um, but he gave us his three games, and that was Nobody Saves the World, uh, Plague Tale Innocence, which, yeah, and uh, Ghosts of Tsushima. Uh, I have played one of those. Craig. Yes. I have played two. I played Ghost of Tsushima. Um, and I've got to go back to it because I played half of it in the PS4 before realising there was a PS5 version. Um, so I stopped. It's very nice. It's very, very, very pretty. And it's great combat. You ramp the difficulty up and you're talking like really proper good solid combat ninja shit it's very good uh, as far as like an open world design and the general quests you've got go are going it's not too bad as well there's a few you know like tower climbing map unveiling type stuff mm -hmm. there's you know it's quick enough to get about on your horse and all this kind of stuff but i i really i really like it like i think it's a really beautiful game i'm still giving it the wary side eye because of who made it i don't mm -hmm. like it's sucker punch right yeah yeah i don't like any sucker punch games i've ever played and oh i i i would say go so as far as to say i hate infamous <gasps> i yeah I know, I know and i i cannot stand infamous the combat is garbage the world design okay. is garbage can i just say yes that you can look at every every single other game in their portfolio and Ghost of... You would swear that it was made by someone else. You honestly would. You would... That's why... Would from trailers, that's kind of... I, I, hmm, I'm not sure, right? Because there's also that Assassin's Creed-ish co combat. 
And I'm not, mm-hmm. I don't dislike yeah. Assassin's Creed combat, but I'm a little tired of Assassin's Creed combat at this point. So I'm, yeah. again, I'm still like, it's not a, I'm not going to play this. It's a, okay, let me wait until it hits a, a pretty decent sale. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'll spend stupid amounts of money to make sure I have a werewolf, the Earth Mother, on day one. So mm-hmm. I, I have no consistency whatsoever, period. Yeah. No, that's fine. And then, yeah, obviously we both played Plague Tale. And that is just a fantastic storytelling. Ma- like, I think that is an, a literal masterpiece of a game. I think it kicks games that are arguably above its tier right in the throat. Like, mm-hmm. I think I think that mm-hmm. game kicks Last of Us in the throat. Oh, yeah. Yeah, easy. We don't know about Last of Us 2, because we, we're going to play that later mm-hmm. this year. But, yeah, I was surprised by how good uh, Plague Tale Innocence is. Ha- have you... um? Uh, played the PS5 version at all? I only played the PS4 version when it was new-ish. No, it was a, yeah, it was... A, I'm sure it was the PS4 version I played. Which is a shame, really, actually, come to think of it. Because, it, like, it's worth a replay, to be oh, honest. Oh, yeah, especially before the sequel comes out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to the sequel of it. Yeah. And nobody's... No, I, go ahead. No, no, remember, keep talking. And uh, nobody saves the world... Uh, I have seen it in terms of, like, I watched a trailer and went, hmm, hmm. It's got an art style that's super reminiscent of Don't Starve. And that was the one thing that popped out of me, like, oh, hey, I really like this art okay. style. Have you seen it, Craig? No, no, I'm I'm Googling it right now. I'd never even, I'd never even heard of it. Nobody saves the world. There we go. Oh yeah, right. Okay, I recognize that. I can't. I can't say I would like. I, I don't know enough about it, obviously, to go. Oh yeah, I'm really gonna go and jump into that. But it looks cute. If like if you're also unfamiliar with um, the developers drink box, they are the guacamole guys. Okay, okay, right. Now that you've said that bit, I'm immediately on board because they did um, Tales from Space as well. And that's amazing. Guacamole is amazing. And I think, is that everything they've done? Um, They did Severed. Okay, I've never heard of that. So now... <laughs> <laughs> now we're, we're back to, we're back to, hmm. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Guacamole, but... I, oh, I really? Yeah, really? it just didn't click. Okay. Because I also played Guacamole around the same time as I played Hollow Knight. And if you're a long-time oh, okay. listener, you remember I railed against Hollow Knight. And I just, I, I think maybe I was in a really bad mood because every time I see it brought up or talked about, it's like, yeah, you know what? That wasn't too bad. So I don't know how I feel about Hollow Knight anymore, but um, playing those two back-to-back was an overload of Metroidvania and I can only take so much Metroidvania. Okay. But anyway. That's, fa- that's, that's fair enough. That's, Metroidvania is, it's one genre that you you can't go back to back on any games. You need, I well, me, I need a break between them. Yeah. Even if it's different, like playing Journey to Savage Planet is a three D Metroidvania, and you can I couldn't go from that to Castlevania without a break because you get bored of backtracking and remembering where you remembering that. Where do I have to use the double, to double jump boots? Yeah. Real, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It, it's t- it's a really tiring game whereas uh, style jrpgs i can go back to back to back to back to back and not have a problem so i it, it's got to be mm-hmm. a personal preference thing and you can like uh, yeah. play 17 adventure games in a row and go ooh, new adventure game i'm gonna play that right yeah. afterwards 
It's true. It's true. Like we just said before, before we started recording, that I played Elden Ring into Dark Souls two, into Dark Souls three, and I am not tired at all. <laughs> I'm just keep on going. Just keep on going. I yeah, this must just be a genre thing. You're right. Uh, so your first game that is super notable this year. Mm-hmm. My first game. It's probably the the least what likely candidate from my um, list, but much like Luke's, who, who Luke has obviously picked. No one saved the saves the world, and you know Guacamole was great. So it's like a smaller developer that's developed some really cracking games. So my first game is in the same vein. It's Flipping Death. Um, ah. Who. Which was, uh, and it's an older game. It's the only older game on my list, but it, I only played it this year, obviously. So that's Zoink that played, uh, that developed that, and Zoink obviously developed Stick It to the Man. And I, I was, I fell and, in love with Stick It to the Man. Oh, and we, help me. We did an episode on it, Craig. Yeah, what's I, I can't Lost and Random. Just can't Lost and Random. That's the one. Terribly sorry. Thank you. Uh, so the sorry, the developed Stick It to the Man. In history, when I played this, uh, Lost and Random wasn't a thing. Okay? Right? <laughs> so, anyway, I played uh, Stick It to the Man, loved it, and then saw Flipping Death. And I didn't, for some strange reason, I didn't play it straight away. But it's on, maybe on Game Pass or something like that. I don't know. But I just thought, do you know what? I'm going to give that a go. And from the moment you start that game until the very bitter end, it is good-looking, funny, charming story. It's got everything that you would want from that type of game. So to give a bit of background on that, it's a 2D puzzling platformer, uh, a lot more action-y than something like Stick It to the Man. And it's got the, the humour and characteristics of like old LucasArts games. It's, it's genuinely laugh-out-loud funny at points. And you're a girl who's died... And you reach the afterlife, which is just basically like a mirror world of the real world. Mm-hmm. And, oh God, speaking of uh, Metroidvanias, this is almost the same. So you're in a mirror world and death is going on holiday. And he just thinks you're some sort of intern here to cover him while he goes on holiday. It's really, it's portrayed really funny. So he gives you his scythe and his wee hood. And he's like, right, I'll see you in two weeks. And he just buggles off. And then in this mirror world... You have to fight dark entities while affecting things happening in the living world. So you can see a, a shadow of the, the living world behind you and you can, because it's, it's flipping death, you can flip between both worlds and you can possess people. So you can possess the policeman to go into the jail to open a jail cell because you need the person that's in the jail cell to unlock something else or to do something like to perform a different action. So it's all about platforming and combat in the dead world while puzzling your way through the living world. And it's a really lovely combination of those two styles of games. And it's very lit. It's so definitive. You flip and you're in puzzle solving mode and you're everyone that you possess is flailing about going, Oh my God, why am I walking this? Way? Oh no, I'm going up a little. Oh, oh no, I don't like this. That it's, it's super funny, incredibly well voice acted, incredibly well written. It's not too long. You know, it's like seven, eight hours or something like that. And it's just bloody good. It's so good. It's so, so good. Half of that game interests me. 
Mm. Can you guess what's half, Greg? <laughs> so, mm. And the, the funny thing is, that's the, the combat and the platforming is probably the weaker point. If, if I had to be honest, it's probably the weaker side of it because the actual, it's a lot like, remember, stacking, which you would hate. Yes, I did. It's that, it's that level of, I need to get the right person to the right place to perform the right action, but all the characters in it are hilarious. Like, it's just funny. <laughs> Which is not an, a descriptor used on a lot of games. So it's super notable no. just for that. Um, the way you make Definitely. it sound, it sounds like a, this, a weird mix between like Grim Fandango and Ghost Trick. And if yeah, you mess yeah, them together. Like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah, oh, definitely. And yeah. I was going to say, like, like even in Lost and Random, and if you're interested in what we thought about that, we did an episode on that. Um, the highest point was the story, the writing, the voice work. Like, the combat mm-hmm. was okay and cool. It did outstay its welcome a bit, but, like, that was their highlight. So it's definitely where those guys yeah. shine. Oh, definitely. And it it does, It's you can see so much of Stick It to the Man in it. I loved Stick It to the Man as well. I thought that was hilarious. Um, really, really funny, actually. So I, it just, it tweaks my humor style. And because it's a game, you're like you say, you're not used to laughing out loud too many times no. at games at all. Uh, like you're not sitting playing Elden Ring going, <laughs> oh, that, that, that NPC was so funny. It just doesn't happen. No, they laugh at you in that uh-huh. game. And stop bringing up Elden Ring. Um, I know, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Uh, so this does bring up something that I, I thought about and I want to talk about. Um, and now that, you know, Luke had the scooch, we got a little bit of time to kill, mm-hmm. to fill out. Um, a couple of the games that I would have added to my three, we covered. Um, Lost in Random and the other one, Kenna, would have probably made my list... But I, I discount them because, well, we've already talked about them. What are we going to talk about? Yep. Um, Kenna specifically I thought was fantastic. But okay. was there a game for you that we've covered this year that would have made your list had we not covered it? Oh, that's – I like that question a lot. <laughs> you're, very, you're welcome. <laughs> Am I allowed to say Elden Ring or can I not <laughs> We didn't say Elden cover Ring. it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, right. Okay, fair enough. I think Kenna, actually, I would have to agree. But the big one for me is obviously, obviously, obviously Deathloop. Oh, yeah, we did do Deathloop, didn't we? Mm-hmm. So, like, Deathloop for me would be game of the half year, but because we've done an episode on it and because we've spoke at length about it. I wanted the opportunity to pick, bring up some other games, yeah. you know, like no, really notable games, but Deathloop is, is just banging. I'm not going to lie. De- De- Deathloop is in the forgettable. Like, not bad. Yeah, just didn't make uh-huh. an impact on me as much, other than that one line reading that every time I think about it makes me <laughs> chuckle. That's it. Um, yeah. Okay, that's fair enough. Uh, number two, since we're we're talking mm-hmm. about small developers... Uh, I played a yeah. game this year that uh, took me completely by surprise, and I ended up platinuming it because I 100% loved it. Um, it's a game by Exor Studios, and if you've never heard of them, I don't blame you. I didn't either. Uh, it's a small Polish company, and uh, they are from such hits as Zombie Driver, Exmor's oh. Defense, and <laughs> Dip Rip Warm Up. 
Now, I had heard of one of those games because it was free on PS Plus. Have you heard of any of those? No. I don't even know what one was free on PS Plus. Zombie Driver back in 2009. Wow. All right. So these guys released a game called The Rift Breaker. And oh, golly gosh. Uh, I sunk into that game so hard. Um, it is, the Rift Breaker is this very unlikely mix of... Okay, so you play a lady that is remotely controlling a suit on a different planet. You are there to uh, basically set up an outpost so humans can colonize. So you just get dropped into this planet and... <laughs> it's kind of like Minecraft and Diablo with tower defense. Okay. So so let's say it's like, oh no, we need to get some uridium. You set up a uridium building to start drilling. And then you have to make sure that if you're on different parts of the planet, when you come back and the wildlife is getting to it, you can defend it. So that includes like walls, turrets, um, you know, just just portals you can zip around the whole planet with. It's super cool. cool. Um it, the, the game looks like a Diablo clone, as in that it's that kind of camera and that kind of loot system. Like, you mm-hmm. get into crafting weapons, and you can hold, like, six weapons because you're a robot, and you can fire two at a time. Um, this wins for the most things I've seen on screen at once and moving award. And that was currently held by They Are Billions, which, oh, boy, they, <laughs> they were billions um, oh my god. <laughs> like, the Rift Breaker might be the one out of this group of three that I'm like, no, 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 no. You, you should really try this game. It is so much fun. Um, and it gets into, like, we- weird nitty-gritty details that I don't see a lot of survival games getting into. And it's, it's calling it a survival game is weird, right? Because it's not a, oh, you died, there's all your progress gone. You just restart. Um, like oh, I need a plasma generator, so I'm going to need water, but all I have is mud. So I need to pipeline the mud to a water purifying plant and then pipeline that to the actual plasma plant so it can have a liquid coolant. Uh, It's really cool. I I feel like I'm explaining it terribly. No, you're, you're explaining it really well. I It's on sale just now and it's in my wish list, so I saw it pop up. At least watch a trailer um, because, of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'll do. Definitely. Um, and, and when I say survival games, I'm sorry if I if it gives you the idea of it's a seven days to die. It's a rust. Mm-hmm. It's a, you know, I can't think of another survival game. Ark Survival Evolved. It's not that kind of game. Yeah. Uh, it feels, to be fair, it plays well with a controller, but it's like you can just look at it and go, you were made for PC, weren't you? Kind of thing. It it just has that, but um, yeah, Rift Breaker was phenomenal. Cool. That sounds cool. It does sound good. All right, uh, number two for you, buddy. Oh God! Right, this is getting this is getting into the nitty gritty now, isn't it? So number two for me. Um, after our Sherlock Holmesing and um Poirotting, in fact, no, before that actually, but because we've already <laughs> spoken about those games, my second game is a game from Frogwares that was released, I mean, last year, but this year on PS4, so we'll go with it. Uh, And it's Sherlock Holmes Chapter 1. That game, Dave, 
that game after um, playing Sherlock Holmes and and reflecting deeply in myself, Sherlock Holmes chapter one is peak frogwares Sherlock Holmesing. It's it's a combination of everything that made the Sherlock Holmes great, um, everything that makes Sinking City amazing. I played that this year as well, so I'd, like I've got a direct reference point with that. Oh, that's and, and, awesome! Like because the subject mark, because Sherlock Holmes means more to me than Lovecraft, I am so hard into Sherlock Holmes. It's unbelievable with this. So uh, Sherlock Holmes chapter one takes that investigatory. You've got to go to the listen to the episode if you want to know about how the games play because they're all all quite similar. You investigate a crime, you go and do this, but it brings it into an open world, and it gives you NPCs to happen across that you need to help. It has various really cool looking locations, and the story is fantastic, and it has some real like where the last game made me laugh out loud. This game has some proper gut punch upsetting moments one one key part of the game in, in particular is just horrifyingly sad and i it made such an emotional impact on me that i actually kind of just sat and was like this is a bloody sherlock holmes frog <laughs> game. Shouldn't be, that's great shouldn't um, be feeling feelings like this sounds like a hell of um, a candidate for next year's murder mystery month Mm-hmm. Oh, what I imagine for next year is we play Sherlock Holmes Chapter One and the Young Poirot game because I haven't played that yet. I think I think that would be a good pairing. I I, I can deal with that again. I mean, they, they would yeah. be shorter because we wouldn't have to talk about the characters. But um, I remember the first time first time I saw the Sherlock Holmes Chapter One, I was super excited watching the trailer. I'm like, oh, this looks good. Oh, this looks good. Mm-hmm. I like the redesign of Sherlock. Um, yep from the other Frogwares games. He's like, okay, he looks kind of cool. Looks like he might pull out a sword and stab a man in the face at some point. Um, and then I saw, oh, it's a, oh, it's, oh, it's a, oh, okay, it's a Frogwares game. And that lowered, <laughs> lowered my enthusiasm a little bit. But then I remembered this is post-Sinking City Frogwares, yep. which gives me a little bit of hope, even though Sinking City was, as you can attest to, uh, the jankiest of jank janks. Yeah. Um, Sherlock Holmes does it addresses quite a few of the problems that Sinking City had. Oh, that's great! Um, just in terms of ironing out all the wee bits and bobs, there are still fro- it still feels frogwellsy. Mm-hmm. Um, I even just down to it's a PS five game, and if you're the opening area inside a building, your frame rate is beautiful and everyone's lovely, and then you get into the open world and it's like thirty frames a second, and you're like, <laughs> right? So it's not quite it's not quite optimized but it just you, there's no loading anywhere you just run about the place and you, everything's just peachy it's got some odd cool combat as well which um i wasn't a fan of the sinking city combat it was very just like no it's like cool an idea not in practice yeah yeah well um sherlock holmes has set piece combat so you have got an area I don't know if you like this or not. You've got an area, but basically you can either bust in and just start shooting people. It's great. Or you can actually stealth your way through combat. And I think having the option is quite nice. It ties into your morality system, with you, which you've got Sherlock Holmes. So in previous games, the outcome of a particular case would add 
or or it would basically say that's the wrong thing you've done the wrong thing but there was this underlying morality of do you absolve people or do you you know are you a hard line sherlock holmes and that actually ties into the story a lot more than what you think they might be able to pull off like it's really interesting the way they they knit in morality of sherlock holmes with um john your sidekick and with you you know what you're trying to do in the game and it makes it it makes for a really good experience like i would say it's beyond being an adventure game it's a pure good sherlock holmes experience all right uh so we're both two games in let's have a little bit of a uh gut check question craig mm-hmm. gut check question is what is the worst game you've played so far this year oh oh um so i'm gonna i'm gonna take the i'm gonna take the we're not talking about podcast games approach yeah. to this. because it would be because, stranglehold because it would yeah you're right it would be stranglehold um i haven't played that many bad games so it's pretty easy to pick out and it's pretty damning, or even disappointing which is a shame. like like what's the most disappointing? immortals phoenix rising there we go uh, all right, I uh, care to expand on why that yeah. was kind of disappointing. So, uh, Immortals opens really strong. It's got a great, a great take on the Ubisoft formula. It's got a fantastic story. It looks beautiful. It is essentially Breath of the Wild with a Greek god story on top of it. it, it almost down to the climbing mechanics, the shooting mechanics, the healing, you know, how you add extra hearts, how you add everything... Everything so almost actionable. is Breath of the Wild. It almost, it's just, it almost actionable. It does do some unique thing. Oh, even the puzzles, like the physics box puzzles, not it, everything is Breath <laughs> of the Wild. It, it does enough unique bits and bobs to keep it from being completely actionable. It's not called Breath of the Immortals or something like that. No, um, but it was bound to happen at some point. And mm-hmm. if if you heard beforehand, Ubisoft was going to copy Breath of the Wild. Like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, um, it starts off really strong. I messaged you and I was like, mm-hmm. Dave, the Greek lore is just fantastic. And you're like, oh, name some of the gods they're using. And I'm messaging, I've never heard of these people. And you're like, oh, wow, they're good. They're good. That's pulls. a deep pull, it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really really well done and all the characters from greek mythology fit their um comedy modern count you know like whoever they are in in the game it's it's really well done but it's just not enough to save it from the monotony of it being a very fetchy point to point you've got to go into this and got now you've got you've unlocked that it's the ubisoft thing now you've done that area you've got to go and do this area it's there's just not an. I've played Far Cry Six this year as well, and that I'd much better experience with. It. So it's not a Ubisoft thing. It's just it didn't work in this case. It was. It's a real shame because there's something good in that game that just. I, di- I didn't finish the game. I'm going to say that. That's it's the only game. Okay. Actively, just thought. Nope. Fuck this. So world building Options, was good, delete. but the actual moment to moment play wasn't so hot. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Have you, have you been disappointed by? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, Craig, this was the year, the year of Dynasty Warriors Nine Empires, oh, <laughs> <laughs> and this is my abusive spouse of a game series. Um, every time it says, "I know I can do better, Dave," 
I'm really going to try next time. And I'm like, that's all right, babe. It's all right. I'll be here. And then it comes home drunk and it pukes on the floor and it yells at my kid. And it, it, it just never tries to be better. So I platinumed it. And I had fun. But the whole time I was playing it, I was just like, this is not good. Dave, what oh, are you God. doing? Dave, what are you doing? I needed <laughs> to call a helpline at some point. So, okay. So, uh, Craig, as a non-Dynasty Warriors man, mm-hmm. it all started a couple hundred years ago when a man wrote a book. Uh, a couple hundreds of years later, Dynasty Warriors 9 Empires came out and Dave was excited for it. So Dynasty War- the Empires is a subset of Dynasty Warriors. Okay, okay. So you have Dynasty Warriors 4 Empires and 5 Empires and blah, 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 blah. Uh, what this does is it adds more strategy to Dynasty Warriors. Instead of plunk down into a map and kill all the people, it's, okay, govern your little... Pro- kind of like if you mixed very Civ light with Dynasty Warriors. So you you can be the head of a province and you have to decide, oh, what do we focus on this month? Is it food? Is it military? Is it diplomacy? Things like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so they end up being a little more interesting and not so brain dead. Um, turns out Dynasty Warriors 9 is an awful framework to work from oh, no. because it was still incredibly brain dead. Uh-huh. And to Dynasty Warriors people out there, the five of you that still exist, uh, <laughs> I would say if you're a diehard fan, it's worth it. You will find some fun to be had, but it does not fix any of the major problems that Dynasty Warriors 9 had. Um, the combat is still that funky, worse than the Renbu system, and it's just not fun to be in battles anymore. So... That's my my plea to the Dynasty Warriors people. Send help. Send send anything. <laughs> uh, a divorce lawyer or something. All right. So going from the worst to one of the better ones that now that I look at it is a little too close to Rift Breaker and I should have picked something different. But oh. we is what we is. Uh, and mm. I love, really liked Orcs Must Die 3. I picked it up and... I played it so much that it started to infringe on, uh uh-oh, I have a week left to finish this game for the podcast. All right, so tonight is the last night that I play Orcs Must Die 3. And then I get home (laughs) from work, and it's, man, I had a really crap day. I don't feel like starting a new game. I'll just play Orcs Must Die 3. And uh, (laughs) I I played it enough to where it started to infringe on games I had to play. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, but... Dave, how is this different than Orcs Must Die 2 and we don't talk about Unchained anymore? Um, and the, the the answer is there's one thing. So, uh, Craig, you've played Orcs Must Die, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you know how it's kind of like these, you're in a building, there's these lanes kind of thing, and you yeah, just got to yeah. set up a bunch of tower defense stuff while still shooting things in the head. Yeah. Um, the one major mechanic this brings are what they call war scenarios. Where instead of a castle that you have to make them wind their way through, it's a giant open field and you get big boy traps like catapults and ballistas and things like that. Uh, It maintains its goofy sense of humor. There's a ton of replay value, especially if you want to go for those infuriating three gold star ratings that will have you pulling your hair out because one stupid little (laughs) knoll slipped through. 
But um, all in all, I'm glad to see this made it back to where it was before it did the Unchained thing. Because if you're curious, that, that was a kerfuffle. It got pulled from the store and everything. It kind of... Oh, really? Yeah, it went... So, so the cool thing is, is if you played a lot of Unchained, you have some insanely rare trophies now that people just can't get anymore. Um, oh, okay. But yeah, yeah, uh, I was a little worried about that franchise and... They brought it back, so I'm I'm super happy they did. It was a lot of fun. Also, it's robot entertainment, in case you're wondering who owns that franchise. Craig, what about you, buddy? Are you ready? I, I, I am pumped, sir. Cause like now I feel like uh you've got you've got some good case there. I don't have a good case for my last game. Is it Elden Ring? No. Okay. Um, I'm only kidding. It is probably it's one of the better games I've I've played in a long time. It's Horizon Forbidden West. Oh no! <laughs> I was pulling for Umahara Kawase, buddy. No, I'm really sorry. It is Horizon Forbidden West. Uh, came out in 2022. It was a day one purchase for me. It's the sequel to Horizon Zero Dawn, developed by Guerrilla Games. And let me tell you, Dave, it takes. Everything that Horizon did, it makes it better and it has some really interesting shit going on. So basically, <laughs> Horizon Forbidden West starts at the end of the first game. You know, things are happening, getting settled in. Then all of a sudden, uh, you're invaded or you're asked to go to peace talks between yourselves, you, you know, the people of the land and the West and things happen, story things happen, that means you then have to embark on a journey across the Forbidden West. It's forbidden because, you know, there's lots of murdery people. It's basically like the Wild West, if you imagine civilization and then the Wild West. It's that kind of thing going for it. Uh, this game is honestly, it, it's, it's fantastic. I, I, Elden Ring... Obviously, we keep on going, oh, now that you look at open world games and nothing will ever be the same again. Horizon, I felt, did that as well. It sparked me to text you and say things like, you know, you're doing a side quest and you really want to because they're really genuine, nice side quests for people that you care about. and Which was 100% different than the first one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like it, it's it's a complete opposite from the first one where it was a oh could you go and get me some leaves from oh my my boy is trapped up on that ridge go and kill the bear or something. This the side quests are it takes that less of them but longer more engaging approach. A side quest can take you you know an hour or two or span a longer period of time because it starts in one area and doesn't end until way further down the line. Um, it's got a lot of uh, general ease of use. Ease of use. Ease, ease of use. Ease. Oh my God. Ease. Is a great series. Use. Oh, okay. Mm. Uh, um, ease, ease of use. Oh God, I can't even say that. It's got some great user interface stuff. You know, everything's smoothed out much. Again, like another game we've spoken about, much like Tales of Arise did to JRPGs, what was thoroughly needed in a lot of areas. Horizon does actually do the same as well. Everything's really clear, marked well. You've got all the help you could ever need if you need it. Uh, the combat has 
kicked it up a notch. So the first game, you kind of when the game was announced, you were thinking, "Oh, is this a Western Monster Hunter?" It turns out, no, no, it yeah. wasn't. Um, and uh, the second game, it plays a lot heavier into having to carve up or target certain parts of monsters. There's a lot bigger, more dynamic monsters. Um, another thing that I'm this is the last thing I'll say in this because I could talk forever. Um, but there are key points in the game where you've got to do the usual horizon thing of hunting down beasts or tracking or doing whatever. And I got, and this is an unscripted event, but I got completely clever girled from Jurassic Park <laughs> by some great. of the animals because because I was sneaking up on something and and I genuinely thought, what did I hear rustling? <laughs> and I turn around and it just face to face with this lion thing and I'm like, fuck! It's... It's really good. It, um, I, I really thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. And this, I mean, story-wise and general aesthetics, I love that biomechanical destroy. You, you know, like you eventually happen across the San Francisco Bridge that's on the cover, so it's not a spoiler. And all of that. Well, I've never been to bad. San Francisco. Now you've spoiled the fact that there's a bridge <sighs> there. Fuck's sake! Damn it! I've done it again. Um, it's just really good. It's really good. All right. So I, because of you, um, mm-hmm. I bought it day one as well. Mm-hmm. And my daughter is still playing it. <laughs> and every time I go to get it, she bares her teeth and then bites me. Uh, so <laughs> I'm taking that as a great endorsement that it is good. Uh, I've seen bits and pieces of it. Mm-hmm. You know, when I walk through the living room to go get, you know, a soft pretzel or something. There, yeah, maybe yeah, she's yeah. playing Horizon. Um, it looks interesting. I don't know if it would fix all the problems I had with the first one, but I'm very curious to crack into it. Yeah, I, th- I think, well, you, you'll probably, my best guess is you'll come away from it thinking, yeah, you know, Craig's right. It did fix a lot of what was wrong with the first one, and it does improve in a lot of areas. But I still think that lend with a. But it's still not one hundred percent the game for you. It's not you, my jam. You know, some, Maybe yeah, yeah. There's something. There's something in that where it is. It might not be, but I, I do. I can't wait for you to play it so I can talk to you about it. I have one kind of little side track I want to go to, and then I have a couple more gut check questions. Okay. Um, okay. Number one is. So you were talking about how when you played Immortal, Immortal Phoenix Kid Icarus Rising, mm-hmm. it just kind of, after a while, and you were just like, I'm done. Right? Yeah. I had that happen this year, too. And I had it happen with a game that people say is not that way, but I'm curious to get your take on it. On record, in case we need to use this in court. Yeah, yeah. Days Gone. Oh, yeah. I played about seven or eight hours of that. Enough to, you know, move the story along a good amount. And mm-hmm. my gut is... I, I Well, I, I have to finish every game I start. It's just the way it works. So I'm going to have to finish it at some point. But I've never wanted to punch a game in the throat more than Days <laughs> Gone. Oh, dear. Did you find that at all interesting? Whether gameplay or story? Because the way I'm sitting now, neither is good. Okay. Uh, days gone, days gone, days gone, days gone. I the story picks up. The gate. I found if it was a graph, 
I found the gameplay at the start to be quite thrilling at points when the hold mechanic specifically. Yeah. Seeing seeing a hold makes most of it worthwhile for me. Like either trying to escape or to tower defense them all to death is good. It's fun for me. Um and as I started just trying to get through the game, the story actually picked up. So it was the story that carried me through the second half of the game. And by the end of it, I actually kind of really enjoyed that game. I think it, it was quite it's quite underrated. I, I don't know actually how rated it is. I'm using the word underrated and, and it could be really well received already. But I, Even if it is well about. received, yeah, nobody talks about it really. Nobody talks about it and it, it's weird. And I think if Luke were here, God rest his soul, he would say the exact same thing. I think he really enjoyed it as well. And the, I don't, I'm not bikery i'm not a manly man like none of that gets me the characters in it are mostly despicable you know it's i do like that that like if there's one mm-hmm. thing i can take away so far from it it's oh they didn't make everybody likable and i really yeah. oddly like that in a game yeah well can do you, do you want a, a miniature spoiler story spoiler which i can cut but I'll, Which, I'll tell you it now. Well, I, let, let's see. Um, I just made it to the point where you know, it's an older game, and it's not even a super mm. like popular game, so I don't think it matters yeah, too much. Yeah. Um, I just made it to the point where you're now starting to grok the idea that, wait a minute, there's government people here, and they're going through caves, and then they're talking okay, about test yeah. subjects and stuff like that. Okay. Well, the game takes you on all of that, and then it completely... Punches you in the side of the head at some point, turns what's going on on its head, and it basically becomes a, uh, an apocalypse now type story. You know, like Crazy Captain. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, Heart of has, Darkness. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Heart. Oh, sorry. Well, yeah, Heart of Darkness, Apocalypse Now type stuff, and the the last third of the game becomes all about that. Like it really comes to a head. And it just becomes super story driven, and less about the open world, and less about and it's all about the story. It's it. I I genuinely I think it does it really super well okay, when it gets to that point in the game. Oh, it's really enjoyable. Because um, maybe not to our listeners, but uh, to me, your endorsement holds a lot of weight because when we're not talking about like this super specific Craig or super specific Dave things mm-hmm. that we each like, we have fairly common tastes. So. Yeah, That's enough yeah. of an endorsement for me to go, okay, you know what? I won't kick it all the way down to the bottom of my playlist, yeah. but okay. All right, that's fair enough. All right, gut check time. Oh, God. Okay, yeah, yeah. What are the next three games you're looking forward to playing this year? Oh, dear God. Um, uh, Neo 1, Neo 2, and Secret. No, no. Um, <laughs> What am I looking forward to playing, Dave? I don't know. I mean, I could go and see if you're... Yeah, you you go. You go. You uh, go. So, number Please. one, um, my boy Mikami's Ghostwire Tokyo. 100% looking forward to that. Uh, number two, I am really looking forward to Medium. And that's great for us because we're going to be covering it later this year. But I am <laughs> really excited to play that. And then number three is kind of up in the air because it was going to be Monster Hunter, but eh, that's going to be Monster Hunter Rise, so I don't know how I feel about that. I'm not... I don't exactly have a end 
this is what my third one's going to be. There's a game I've, coming I've out. I've got a third one. Oh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, on you go. No. I'm just like, I don't know if if, uh, if it is or not, but I've just thought of my big one as the, other than Starfield, as the Plague Tale sequel. Oh, yeah, that's right. Jeez, that, that is coming out this year. Yeah. Um, and I'm just going to throw a third one into the mix because I've already just said two now and I'm going to say Stranger of Paradise because that came out and I've really wanted to play it since it came out and just an opportunity hasn't come up. No, yeah, I, I'm like, the, all people had to say was, it's kind of Neo Freedom, like, all over it, guys. Um, <laughs> there is also a new game coming out. That I don't remember the name of, so as you can tell, it made a large, large impact on me. Give me just a second, Craig. Yeah, no, yeah. I'll cut it so that you sound, you sound like you know what you're talking about. Oh, well, that, that, that's that's impossible. <laughs> we don't have that kind of time. Hold on. Okay. <clears throat> so after a quick Google, because it has a very innocuous title, uh, I saw a trailer for a game called The Valiant, and... Oh my gosh, that has so much Dave in it. I'm pretty sure my mom gave birth to it. Uh, I'm really looking forward to playing that. And of course, while we were talking, me and Craig mentioned a bunch of games. I was like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah." Um, There's also one called Eye Inquisitor. And I'm really curious about that. And what was that one? Craig, Lies of P? The Pinocchio game? Where it's like, oh. Oh yeah. Oh, that looks interesting. Oh, and... Um, Cult to the Cat, or whatever it's called. Oh, oh, oh um, um, you know why we just Cult of the Lamb. I Cult also lamb. really want to. There's a bunch of games coming out. that's like, oh, oh, oh. Um, so what are your big three? I'm sorry, I named like eight there. I'm sorry, that's my bad. No, 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 it's fine. Um, so what the, what were the three? What were the three that I said? Stranger Paradise and uh, the. The Last of Us sequel and Starfield, I think. And if I could just cheeky throw another one in. Sure. It was that, because you you, you hit so home something there. The strategy game that's got so much Dave in you. The, there's a um, role-playing puzzle game that's got so much Craig in him. It's just a wee game. It's what's the Asher case, the Asher Files. We just spoke about it. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, um. It's the nineteen sixties um, hunting Nazis, but in a role playing puzzle mechanic. Ashland Dossier, Dossier, yes. Dossier. Oh my gosh, how American am I? Uh, the Ashland oh. Dossier. Um. So yeah, that's mine. Um, I would say the rest of this year is looking up. And mm-hmm. before we close out this episode, your last question mm-hmm. is a yes or a no. Okay. Do you think Elden Ring will maintain enough to be your game of the year? I'm not entirely sure. Yes, if it had to be a yes or no, it's a yes. I think Elden Ring stands head and shoulders above everything else I've played so far this year and potentially everything else I will play. And that's not like, I'm pretty sure Plague Tale will be a better storytelling experience and will say great things about it. And Horizon was a fantastic thing for me. But Elden Ring, as a game, when you get down to the nuts and bolts of it, is just god-tier amazing. Uh, the only the only way I see it being replaced as best of the year is if one of the strategy games that I'm looking forward to just knocks it out of the park. Because mm-hmm. 
in in the Dave tier of things, strategy is above Souls like in super certain cases. Like I'll take a StarCraft over a Souls like any day of the week. Uh, bring that to console, please. I know everybody <laughs> in the industry listens to this, but uh, please bring that to console. Um, other than that, I guess all we have to say is thank you very much for listening to this little bonus episode. And <gasps> wait, what? wait, stop! I've got a question. Yeah. Because I needed to bring up one more game, and I needed to frame a question. <laughs> oh, that's great. I needed, I needed to frame a question that was so oddly specific that it fit this game. Have you played a game this year that surprised you because previous games by the same developer were either disappointing or terrible? Are you talking about uh, Ghost of Tsushima for yourself? No. Um, no, no. Uh, no. Actually, I don't think I have. Oh, Dave, you're a genius. That was a much better segue to bring this game up, wasn't it? Like that earlier wonder- in the recording. That was, that was wonderful. And and yet I, did, I didn't make the connection. No. So I played a game called I Am Fish, and it's by the people that make such legendary games as Surgeon Simulator and I Am Bread. Terrible, terrible games. I Am Fish is genuinely one of the best physics puzzle games I have ever ever played it's so good it is super funny the premise of it is finding nemo you're trying to escape and you know they get in the bags and they try and roll their way it's that except sometimes you're in you're in a tube for some strange reason or a weird shaped thing and you've just got to roll to get through an obstacle course or to escape something to get to the sea but it sees you rolling down rooftops and bouncing about the place and trying it's hilariously funny and stupid like i and i played it ages ago it's not something i played last night and chuckled at i played it ages ago and it still sits in my brain as being a super funny entertaining physics puzzle game so if you like things like marble madness or anything else like that Super monkey, but exactly. If you like things like that, I am fish. Don't write it off because of the developer, uh, is my point. Okay. Um. Did they also make I am Mayo? No, that is the scummy platinum um, selling ah. people that just keep releasing I am Mayo 2 and I am Mayo 3. I noticed right? that. Oh, um, yeah. Um. Anyway. Sorry, yeah, that, that okay. was just no, no, a, a no, wee rant. That's fair enough. It was a game that made enough of an impact on you. That's, yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, unless I get interrupted again, um, mm-hmm. thank you very much for listening to this. Oh, Dave, I have got one more bonus thing. Bonus episode. That I thought it would be really good. If you could just end it saying thank you very much for listening to this bonus episode, that would be great. Ah, I guess, Craig, I mean... I mean, you can edit this all out, but... Uh, all right, okay, all right. Um, let me get my happy voice on. <clears throat> Thanks for listening to this kind of little weird bonus episode. Um, we've been going for quite a while now, and it's awesome to see the little community that we've built up that nobody else can see but us. <laughs> so it's not really a community. It's more like, you know, we have a pair of binoculars and you're four towns over, but we notice you guys. Uh, we appreciate every time somebody's written into us. It's it's been great. If you have your three games that you think might make it to your game of the year, 
Uh, as always, you can hit us up at thebeneffect.com where you can just write us whatever. You can, if you're really good with ASCII, you can probably even draw a dick and send that to us. And you know what? That'd be cool. Um, but yeah, uh, next week, or not next week, next episode is the mm-hmm. big one. And I don't mean, it's, it's a big one in terms of impact and a big one in terms of length. So uh, behind the curtain a little bit, we did because of Craig's weird moving house every two days scenario he's got going mm-hmm. on. Um, we've recorded some of Dark Souls 2, and it's turning out as long as the Bloodborne episode, but without the idea beforehand of, hey, we might want to split this up into three, so we got some weird cuts going on and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, bear with us when you listen to that. It may be a little rough on where we cut it, but we kind of had to because we just didn't shut up. So if you like Dark Souls 2, you'll be in for a treat. And if you don't like Dark Souls 2, you'll be in for a treat. Craig, cut in whatever one fits better there. And we will check you next time when we explore Drang Lake in all of its glory or dismay. Again, Mm -hmm. cut in whatever you want. I don't want to spoil it. Yeah, yeah.